Hello, and welcome back to the Mom Bots Pod, where we are open about it all raw motherhood, realistic business growth strategies, and mastering marketing as an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Helen, and today I am so excited to have Lindsay with us. She is a growth and performance coach for high performing mamas, host of the Motherload podcast, which I avidly listen to, and is the founder and CEO of the Motherload company. We'll talk more about like what all that means, but she resonates well with us because she's built six and seven figure businesses over and has over 10 plus years of experience in entrepreneurship. Um, she's coached and consulted with hundreds of leaders, organizations, and brands. And Lindsay has also produced and hosted over a hundred live events for ambitious women, which is so fun. Um, so thank you so much for being here and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah. I, all the topics that I think are current for your audience are things that I love to talk about and that I'm living through. So yeah, I know. And I think just, I feel like the conversation around motherhood, you can just like go on and on and on. (laughs) And then when you include entrepreneurship into it, it's like just so much more. I was telling Lindsay before we started recording, just like how, you know, as virtual assistants, as service-based entrepreneurs, we are constantly talking about things between business and motherhood and the balance and like what that all looks like. So I'm excited to have you here. Can you kind of just give us a brief intro to like who you are, what you do, and then also just share a little bit about your family as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I have a background in the corporate world. So, you know, I graduated from college and went right into what I thought was expected of me coming out of, you know, the, the high school experience that was do as well as you can get the best grades you can go to the best college you can get out of college as fast as you can, you know, like ambition, ambition, drive, drive. Um, and the next step when I graduated at 22 was go get a corporate job and make money. And, you know, Mm -hmm. at the time I had over a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt, which is a whole other topic around money that I think is something that as I get older, I'm like, Oh, that really, you know, having that much debt at eight, you know, starting at 18 was a huge money mindset thing, but, um, that still continues to haunt me, but, um, (laughs) I spent about 10 years in the corporate world and I, I, I loved it until I didn't, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I moved up quickly. I I moved into an international sales role. I ended up traveling all over the world. Um, I've been in like, I don't know, close to 40 countries and I did it all for work. And so I had just this unique experience in my twenties and early thirties, where I got to see a lot of the world. And I learned Mm -hmm. a lot about business because I, I worked in sales and I was selling a big company's product to a lot of smaller companies. It was B2B sales. And so, um, you know, that really kind of further ignited my entrepreneurial passion. My dad's an entrepreneur and, and was my whole life. So I, I knew that that was possible for me, but I didn't have, didn't know what it would be. You know, I didn't know, I, I wasn't like from the day I was born, knew exactly what I wanted to create. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of reached a a tipping point at the end of 2013. And I, I remember, you know, I, I was in Singapore at the time. It was my last trip of the year. And I was standing up on this like overlook deck on a famous building in Singapore. And I, I had this moment of being like, where am I? Like, what am I doing? Cause it was Christmas time and it's like a hundred degrees there and there's Christmas trees everywhere, but it's the tropics. And I, you know, I was just so like, it was like my whole awareness snapped back into my body and I was like, okay, this is not, <laughs> this is not the life I want to be living. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came home and I I sent in my resignation and I got a lot of feedback at the time that was like, you're crazy, you're stupid. Mm-hmm. And then a, a, a handful of people that were like, I'm jealous. I'm jealous mm-hmm. that you, that you can leave, that you can walk away from this and go do something else because, you know, X, Y, Z reasons that they all have for why they aren't risk tolerant or they're financially strapped or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that time I was like, okay, you know, I cashed out my 401k. I did all the things that are now like the Gen Z quiet quitting thing to do. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I figured it out. And I, um, my first business was a brick and mortar yoga studio that I opened with my stepmom as my general manager. And that was thriving until we got shut down during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. and we weren't, weren't able to reopen just based on how the government handled all of that. Um, and then I moved into, once that was open and going, I, I was in this local business community as a woman and I realized how little local business women, you know, in my, that was my lens, but 
women in general had a really hard time. This was in like the mid 20 teens, a really hard time connecting and supporting with each other because this was before this, before Instagram was a big, like women supporting women platform, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there was a lot of competitiveness locally and a lot of, a lot of gatekeeping and, um, suspicion around like connecting with other business owners in the same market. And so I started a company at that time that did these networking events where I would bring anywhere from like 30 to a thousand women together for an event. Um, and just for the topic of, uh, or the purpose of connection and that, that organization really thrived and is probably the biggest reason I'm at where I am now in terms of, of being a coach and a consultant, because it showed me just how little support so many of us have. And so before we go into business, like we have yeah. an idea or we buy a franchise or we kind of stumble into it with a friend and we don't have any idea. And then all the stuff starts happening that we encounter as business owners, whether it's brick and mortar or online business, and you're isolated unless you mm-hmm. have a community and unless you have people who you trust and who can help you. And, um, you know, I went through a lot during the pandemic and I lost that events business too. And I, I pivoted everything into online mm-hmm. coaching and consulting. And, and a lot of what came up during the pandemic was how much my identity had shifted in addition to um, my life changing since I had kids and was still trying to do all these businesses and weather a pandemic, you know, so, um, coming out of 2020 and into 2021, 2022, motherload really came together around, you know, even just kind of stepping out of business strategy. I, that's, that's my comfort zone. Of course, I, I love that, but I've moved into even this little bit, I would say like deeper work on, especially for mothers around you'll never, like I always say this, you'll never out strategy, a lack of inner alignment. If Mm -hmm. you're not good with you and and you haven't figured out what you want and what you want your, your business to feel like what, how your relationship is with your ambition and how your identity has been rebuilt since becoming a mother, Mm -hmm. then no amount of growth strategy in your business is going to change going to change that it doesn't feel good to you. So um, now that's where I've landed is, is kind of pulling on my years of of going through these waves of feeling out of alignment for different reasons and in different roles and different businesses and kind of pulling all that together to go, okay, the, the real fundamental strategy for all of us is that we need to figure out what inner alignment is for us. And then mm-hmm. we can go, then we can step back out into our business and say, okay, how do I turn inner alignment into impact and income? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I do today on, in a nutshell, it's, it's, um, but it kind of pulls from that whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. So many great pieces there. Well, one of the things you had said that I'd love to um, ask you about is being risk tolerant. You had said that that like, you know, some people aren't like that. And it um, stuck out to me just because I have a lot of people in my community who are moms who are either stay at home moms or working moms who want to start a business. And specifically, you know, um, I coach women in starting their virtual assistant business. But with that, a I can tell there's some people who just say yes and dive right into it. And then others who are really, it's hard to make the investment to learn and take the program and, you know, get the community and all of that. And so what is, what does that mean exactly? Cause I feel like that defines this battle of like one type of personality versus another, but I'd love to hear you expand on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of it does come down to personality. I think there's obviously certain backgrounds and personality types that are going to just naturally be more oriented towards I'll figure it out and I can take the risk. And at some level, it's a little bit of like, I don't really care what you, you kind of have to have a little bit of that hardenedness mm-hmm. around, like, I don't care if it doesn't work. Like I'm going to try it anyway. And I'm not yeah. going to let the fear or the the noise from other people dissuade me. And that's, that's really is a, at one level is overcoming people pleasing, because I think a lot of what makes people risk averse is that they are trying to, uh, you know, overcome other people's feelings about it, their partner or their family or some generational legacy trauma that they have around, you know, like we're not entrepreneurs or we can't take risks or money is scary and hard, you know? So Mm -hmm. some of it is, is getting risk tolerance is about letting go of caring so much what other people think and just going for it. Risk tolerance is also an inside job to me around learning to be un- uncomfortable 
And mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I notice in people who are inherently risk tolerant is they have a very high threshold for discomfort. And some of that is innate and a lot of that is practiced. And mm-hmm. for, for me, how I manage my risk tolerance, and I'm, I've been through waves of this in my life where it, it's not like you, I, I think some people are risk tolerant where it almost looks um, reckless you know, and they, Mm -hmm. they do things that aren't calculated. And that's not what I'm talking about, but a lot of us who are going into entrepreneurship where risk tolerance means I know there's some risks here and I know it could go badly and I know I could lose money or I, you know, I might walk away from something that is comfortable and safe to go pursue something that is not, but I've done the, the inner check-in to go, you know, this resonates with me inside and I've done enough calculation of, of the due diligence in my life to go, this won't be catastrophic if mm-hmm. I fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some of us, you know, that's the definition of that is different for some of us. Losing money is catastrophic for others of us. We're willing to lose a little bit. So of course that's on a scale, but overall to me, risk tolerance is about the threshold of discomfort and mm-hmm. not everybody is, is comfortable being uncomfortable. And that there's a lot of reasons for that we could go into, but that's a big part of my work now is, is working with women on what is it that makes you so uncomfortable about it? You know, is it, is it a money thing? Is it a judgment thing? Is it a safety and security thing? Like, yes, if you're a single mom and you are the sole provider and you're going to walk away from a comfortable job to go do something risky, that's a very different calculation and a different conversation with your nervous system than somebody who's been a stay-at-home mom and has a partner with who supports the household and this would be extra income or Mm -hmm. a passion project of some kind, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's definitely a scale there, but, um, I risk tolerance is a big thing for, I think for a lot of women who, especially mothers where we, we desire something more Mm -hmm. and we have to overcome that fight or flight response telling us that this is risky. I don't know. There's going to be people that judge me that might not work. Mm-hmm. You got to quiet all that noise and really sit with like, but I'm not going to die. I'm going to be okay. This is safe and I can do it. We are going to take a quick break as I want to tell you all about my money mindset workshop that is now available for you to download and watch at your own convenience and on your own time. So I hosted this workshop because I was recognizing that a lot of us moms and entrepreneurs are honestly starting to feel like we constantly need to be doing more and that it's difficult to generate more income, more clients, more sales. And the thing is, is that's very stressful. (laughs) So I wanted to post this workshop to help you reframe your mindset around money and be able to establish a better routine and a better system for yourself and for your business and actually get comfortable with the fact that your wealth is completely up to you. And what I mean by that is wealth looks different for everyone and is defined differently for everyone. And for you, it might look different than it looks for me and that's completely okay. And so throughout this workshop, we discuss like the definition of wealth and how excuses like our time or how much money we need to make actually get in the way of us feeling accomplished and feeling successful and feeling like we're doing enough. And so join me in the workshop. I at the end also help you create a specific daily routine that will guide you into a healthier relationship with your money. And I just had a really great time hosting this so you can learn more about it at the link in the description and let's get back to our interview. Yeah. Yeah. I think I see that a lot with the investment piece of like investing back into your business. Cause what's amazing nowadays is like, you can literally start a business pretty much for free. You know, it's like, you don't have to invest a bunch to, you know, start a virtual assistant business or really any type of service-based business. You can promote yourself on Instagram and start talking about it. But I think the investment piece comes in when it's like, well, I want to learn how to do this, or I want to learn how to like start it the right way. Or I want to join a mastermind with like other like-minded women and it costs, you know, 5k or 10k or even more. Um, And it's like, will that investment, you know, 
make a return? Should I put it on a credit card? Should I pull, you know, wait until I save up the exact amount of cash? Like all of these things. And I think so much of that does come from the discomfort of like, what are you comfortable with doing? Because some of us are like, I don't really have the money for it, but I'll figure it out, you know? And then some are on the other end where it's like, I need to save up the exact amount before I like feel comfortable spending on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting as you're talking, cause I, I said at the beginning, you know, having all that student loan debt really mm-hmm. impacted me on so many levels, positively and negatively around money mindset. And I know that's a huge topic for ambitious mothers is money. And, you know, for me, for better or for worse, I kind of came out into adulthood with this, you know, hundred thousand dollar plus of, of student loan debt to which served me in a certain way to go, you know what, I'm already in debt at a level that I don't even really comprehend. Like I didn't grow up wealthy. I don't know what at, you know, at 18 or 20, I didn't know what a hundred thousand dollars meant, like how long that was going to take me to make in a career or pay back or, you know, um, and this was in the early two thousands before social media. So there weren't, there wasn't context for people like I make a hundred thousand dollars a month coaching. And I'm like, okay. So back then it almost served to kind of embolden me to take more risk because to me it was like, well, I'm already in debt. Debt doesn't Mm -hmm. scare me. You know, I was already wired to not really fear debt because I had made the decision to go to this expensive college. And, um, so better. Yeah. So for better or for worse, you know, I ended up into my adulthood going, you know, okay, the putting the mastermind on a credit card or buying inventory for e-com stores or, um, you know, leaving, shutting down this line of business that's been profitable for a long time, but I don't like anymore. Like, you know, in early 2022, I sold part of my consulting practice that was doing almost, you know, it was a million dollar business. It was doing 80 Mm. to a hundred thousand dollars a month. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. You know, like, I don't want any more of this kind of client. I don't want to have these conversations. I'm bored of this. And Mm -hmm. I sold, I sold that, that part of my business. And there was a part of me going, this is really dumb. Like I'm, I'm literally just walking away from money. That's not hard for me to earn, but the toll on my passion and my energy to do the work had caught up with me to the point where like I was resentful of it. So Mm -hmm. I think that that shows up in lots of different ways, um, around how you feel about debt and how you feel about, you know, lowering your safety net of your money now to have future outcomes that are more positive. And I, a lot of that goes into how you were raised, what, what models you saw in terms of, you know, um, is money scarce? Is money abundant? Is money something that is easy? Is it hard? Mm-hmm. Um, all of that with your money mindset. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause I just hosted a money mindset workshop cause I come from a really, um, I'm my like immigrant family, like first generation from Russia and we grew up really poor. And so that was something I really had to work on and especially within my marriage, because we both grew up very differently. And so it was like, okay, this is how you believe money is. This is what I believe about money and, you know, the struggle back and forth. And I had to release so much of my like fear around losing money and not having enough and like being okay with spending money or going into debt to then reinvest, you know, into something else. And so I feel like that's such a huge topic of a conversation. And as moms, I feel like it can be, the topic of like money is just so broad because for us, it's like, okay, if you're a stay at home mom, it feels hard to sometimes spend money because you feel like you're not, you know, making money, even though you're running the household and you have so many other responsibilities. But then, you know, on the flip side, if you are making money, you're not home very much with your kids or not enough for, you know, from the outside perspective, it's like all all these like guilty thoughts are like running into your mind. And so I feel like at a certain point you can't win if you allow these thoughts to like creep in and really, you know, feel the guilt and the judgment. Um, What kind of, you know, tips or insight do you have when it comes to that? Like, regardless of what situation you're in, if you feel guilty around your ability to provide or not provide money to the, to your family, um, how do you like overcome that? Yeah. I mean, it, I think this is a very common and insidious phenomenon for ambitious mothers, especially millennial mothers, you know, who, who are in this kind of crossover generation before social media made it look like it's so easy to have money. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're raised millennials. A lot of us were raised by boomer parents who came from one generation back, basically being dirt poor, mm-hmm. you know, or, 
only one or two generations back where mothers didn't work, you know? And so there's been a lot of change and a lot of shift in what's expected of mothers over just like a couple generations. And especially for millennial moms where we had all this empowering rhetoric when we were kids and teenagers, like you can do anything. You can have any job, any job a man does, you can do, you know, and oh, by the way, you should also still be a really warm, devoted, loving mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, while I believe that both are possible, obviously, because that's the whole platform that I run, but <laughs> I do believe that, you know, when it comes to money, there's a reckoning that's happening with a lot of us around what, what amount of money really, you know, what is money for the sake of making money and what is money that really serves the lifestyle and the feeling that I want in my life. And a lot of that is unwiring or rewiring messaging and conditioning we got in our younger years around the constant striving for more, Mm -hmm. because that's where I think a lot of us, myself included, like I go in these cycles too, where I, I get hung up on like, I need to build another seven figure business, but, but I don't really like our lifestyle doesn't require that much money from my business. And Mm -hmm. in the times in the past when I've had seven figure businesses, I've had to have a big team and work all the time. And that's also not what I personally want anymore. But like you mentioned with the mom guilt and like the, the cycle of, well, if I'm, if I'm not working, then, you know, the household expenses have to be covered by my partner, which means in theory, he has to work more or earn more to cover Mm -hmm. the same amount of, of cost or, if I am working, that's time that I'm either then paying for childcare or spending, you know, distracted or away from my kids. And then every dollar I make has this extra cost in my mind that is not only my own time, but it's it's time with them. And right. you know, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, so I, I'm in this these the thick of it years where it's not they're not self-sufficient, but they're also not little tiny babies anymore. So for me, it's like, I, I can't do both at the same time. I do mm-hmm. have to make the decision on what am I doing with this hour? Is this an earning hour or is this a, a mother, you know, a mothering hour? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do think that's where a lot of us get into this tailspin on, well, I want to do both. I want to do both. Well, I have a passion or I have something that I want to go do with my ambition and I want to earn money for the family or for my own goals or, or because money is in service to my dream but I, I want to do it in a way that doesn't take me away from my devotion to motherhood. And I still want motherhood to feel good to me and not something that is so incredibly stressful. And I'm racked with mom guilt all the time and all these mm-hmm. things. And, and I don't have the answer, you know, I'm, I'm in this work too, but I think it's, it's such important work and such an important thing for us to talk about more with each other because as soon as I open these floodgates, you know, we talked about before we pressed record, the second I mention money around mm-hmm. the mental load of motherhood, I get a flood of DMs. I get a flood of response from people being like, talk about this more. No one talks about this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not even super comfortable talking about it because it's so edgy for a lot of us to say, maybe I want to make less money or mm-hmm. maybe I want to go make a fuck ton of money. And, and I want to be the person who's out there building seven and eight figure businesses. And I'm okay that that's going to require more childcare, but God forbid I say that publicly because somebody's going to come at me about, I'm a terrible mother, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's just a lot of those, um, both inner and outer, you know, pressures we feel to do everything, including Mm -hmm. make a lot of money. And it's just not possible for a lot of us to do, to, to do all of it at the same time, as well as we want. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like you had said, you know, social media plays such a role in looking at like what other lifestyles look like. And I feel like also following people who even like have the slightest difference of like living in a different state as you, their income may be equivalent to yours, but the cost of living is way cheaper for someone living, you know, a certain state versus yours. And so you look at their house and their things and all the things that they're doing with their kids or whatever that might look like. And it makes you feel like you're not doing enough or your house isn't enough or you're not organized enough or like whatever that might look like. And so I feel like I have personally have had to set a lot of boundaries around social for myself just because I'm very much like you had mentioned, you know, okay, what's next? Like, what's the next big thing that I'm going to do? What, where are we going to, you know, what's the next like big trip we're going to take or the next plan for the house or whatever. And it's very easy for me to get caught up into 
what's next. And I, I recognized for myself, a lot of it was coming from comparison on social media. Um, and you're totally right with this, like in between, you know, like as a millennial, you have examples of ahead of you and behind you. And, um, it's, it can be hard to like see it all on social. Is that something that you see, um, with like within coaching and your communities of maybe taking a break from social media or even like taking a step back, putting more boundaries on who you follow? Yeah. So with, it's funny because I was just talking to a friend of mine today who left Instagram a month ago. She deleted it. She, she announced it to her community. She had tens of thousands of followers and was just like, this doesn't align for me anymore. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to make money because I've always made money by selling coaching on Instagram. So join my email list and like, come hang out with me on email, you know? And yeah. she was just texting me today saying it's really, really hard because she feels incredibly uncomfortable that she can't go like put up a post or put up a couple stories and bring in money, you know, mm-hmm. which was the good side of Instagram for her, which was she could go and say, Hey, I have a couple one-on-one spots open and they would fill up within a day or two. And that's an mm-hmm. infusion of money into her family. But the bad side, you know, the downside for her was what we're talking about where it was just con- She has three little, little girls. And, um, you know, it's like this constant barrage of messaging that you should be doing more. You should be making more. Your, your business should still be growing even with, you know, a six month old and, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you should be getting all the childcare you can get so that you can work all the time. And, and that's, you know, her, obviously her perception and her, uh, you know, what, what she was seeing and how she was taking it in. But, but I think that's a common feeling for a lot of us where, and what her and I were talking about is exactly this, where it's like, I want to be on social media and I want to have the community and I want to be able to say to my community, Hey, I have a lot of knowledge and I can help you. And I want to be in community with you and, and I need to make money. So Mm -hmm. here's, here's how this works. You know, like here's what you can buy from me. And if this is something you need, then you should buy it Mm -hmm. and support me. And if it's not something you need, then it's not for you. And that's fine. Refer someone in if, if you know someone and like, could we all just agree to, to just be neutral about all of that? But Instead, what a lot of us see, and I think the the comparison thing you mentioned is we see a lot of people making it look really easy or making mm-hmm. it look like they, all they have to do is two hours a day or all these things that you're like, well, if it was only two hours a day and she's making a hundred grand a month, I could do that. I only like, I'd love to only work two hours a day and then I'd be with yeah. my kids. But what you don't see is like, sure, she's working two hours a day, but she doesn't have kids. So mm-hmm. she's not up in the middle of the night. <laughs> she's not managing the mental load of having little kids and everything that that, you know, comes with. And, you know, if you're a mother, you know what that is. Um, and so there's a lot of that, like mothers being comparing ourselves to people who aren't mothers. And then I think there's rampant social media, um, this phenomenon where you're not seeing the truth, you Mm -hmm. know, like you, you may see someone's influencer posts and lifestyles, but you have no idea what's going on in their marriage. You have Mm -hmm. no idea what's going on in their business. And while it looks like their lifestyle is enviable and easy, yes, maybe they live in a state where there's no income tax or, um, you know, everything you see is rented or provided Mm -hmm. by affiliate, you know, like sponsors and stuff where they didn't actually purchase anything. So if you were, if we really all had transparency and could see each Mm -hmm. other's money, I think we would, we would all be much more similar than we realize. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of the, the other side of it is people don't want to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. especially when it's not great, you know, people love to talk about, it. I make all this money. They don't love to talk about, it. I'm so, I'm so, so far in debt that I don't see a way out or I'm mm-hmm. not making enough money. And that's really causing some major stress, you know? Um, so it's, it's interesting to me because I think it is coming from a little bit of like unrealistic ease that social media portrays and we're also being like pushed by this generational stuff behind us that had all this messaging around you have to work 40 hours a week until you die like Mm -hmm. not working is laziness not working is not contributing not working means like you don't love yourself or Mm -hmm. you're not valuing you know there's so much messaging to stay-at-home moms that are like you're you're, you don't value yourself if you're just a stay-at-home mom you know I'm like that's not coming from 2023 that's coming from stuff you know coming from previous generations where there there's this idea that like 
your identity is only formed outside of the home. Mm-hmm. And if you don't contribute outside of the home, then you're just mom. And that's, that's boring, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's so much in this conversation, but money is one of these things where to me, it's like, talk about it, just talk about it more, be more honest about it, ask more questions and don't be afraid if there's someone you follow. I mean, I don't know if this is a thing people would do, but I like it when people challenge people on Instagram in comments in a respectful way to be like, you know, okay, you made a hundred thousand dollars this month, but like, what's your overhead? How much of that is profit? Mm -hmm. You know, because this is really misleading to say you're living a million dollar lifestyle, but you have a team of six people and you really have a 10 or 20% profit margin. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the same equivalent as having a $120,000 salary. So it's not as big as you think when you can put it all into perspective, but we get carried away with how is she having hundred thousand dollar months with two hours a day of work? Well, yeah, she Mm -hmm. has a team of six. So she's only working two hours a day. Her team works full time. They make a hundred grand a month, but she takes home a 10% profit margin on that, which is 120 grand a year. It's not Mm -hmm. that much money, you know? So anyway, I'm on a rant, but, but that's kind of where I come from with all of this is like so much in, in truth and honesty Mm -hmm. and really asking yourself and inquiring within to say, is this really like this person who I'm looking at and and feeling envious of, is this true? Do I surely, do I truly know that this is true of -hmm. her lifestyle? And, and then getting outward information too, to go, let me do a little more research, Mm -hmm. you know, and see if this is, if what I'm looking at is, is real or not. Yeah. Well, I love the transparency piece because I feel like, um, that's, to be honest, like the, you know, influencers or business, you know, entrepreneurs or mothers that I love to follow are the ones who are a little more transparent when it comes down to the behind the scenes. And for me, it's like, I have two childcare days a week and I run a full-time business. And so I'm very open about the fact that like my kids go to bed at seven 30 and a lot of nights at 8 PM, I have a glass of wine and work for, you know, two more hours before I go to bed. And I'm okay with that. Like that makes me happy because I am excited about what I'm working on, or I'm, you know, really happy that I get three days a week at home with my kids. So I feel like it's, um, it would be cool to see more of that for sure. You know, and I think just having a healthy boundary of like, okay, who do you follow that does that? And if you like that, like follow more people like that and unfollow the ones who maybe like bring that guilt onto you. Um, what about like, I think something that like my, my audience and I have been chatting about often lately has been productivity as moms. And it goes back to like making money, right? If a lot of them are business owners and it's like, okay, well, if I'm not I didn't feel productive today and I didn't get a lot. I didn't move the needle much in like my business today or this week because, you know, kids were sick and we, or it was break and we didn't have preschool or like whatever it might look like. And, um, we've been talking a lot about kind of like redefining productivity as a mom, um, and how it doesn't have to look the way that we think it has to look, you know? And I think it's, about how it makes you feel and what makes you feel comfortable in your routine and your to-do list. And it's, I think what you said, you know, about it's just like in quotes to take that word out. Like it's not, you're not just a stay at home mom, or you didn't just make a thousand dollars this month or, you know, just this or that. Um, do you have thoughts on like being productive and like what that looks like as moms and why it's like such a thing in our brain. Like, I feel like so many of my friends and I, like we laugh about the fact that we like stand up to eat, you know, because we can't like sit down for a second because someone's constantly asking for something or you feel like you're always in a rush because you feel like you need to get on to the next thing. Um, and that's something I'm working on personally for sure. Would love to kind of hear your thoughts on it too. Yeah. Yes. So there's so much there. I mean, I think the first thing that you touched on is, is the relationship between productivity and making money. And I think a lot of us, that's a straight line, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I I'm only productive and I only consider myself to have been productive today if I made money Mm -hmm. and that in a service-based business, especially an online business, it's not usually that straight of a line, right? Like you, the social media posts you worked on or the email you sent or the website tweaks you were making or working on client work, you know, like maybe there's not a deposit into the bank account today for that. 
And so it doesn't register highly on your, on your radar of like, you know, productive tasks that led to revenue. Mm -hmm. I know I'm guilty of this because I'm so conditioned from years in the corporate world and then years of consulting and, and all of it to go, you know, you only want to be spending money on revenue generating activities, revenue generating activities. And it's like, well, a lot of times that that's not, that's not how a business really actually operates. When you learn about it, there's a lot that has to happen behind the scenes. And if you're a solopreneur Mm -hmm. or a small team, it's not the same as corporate or a big team where somebody else in the cubicles is getting the, the readiness stuff done. And you're the sales guy that just gets to go out and sell and make money, you know? Um, so we have to, there's that reminder of, there's a lot of things that have to happen in a business that aren't revenue generating. And mm-hmm. so if that is what you're working on today, there's just that mindset shift of like, today is an admin day. Today is a content day. These are not things that are going to ge- directly lead to money on in my bank account tomorrow, but these are in service of a, of something else in the business. And, and that's a strategy you know, conversation. The other thing that comes up for me around this topic of productivity and like feeling productive is around the nervous system and context switching. And I, mm-hmm. I just did an episode about this um, last week where I talked about how common it is for people like us who are working, especially if you work from home, which I know your audience probably does if they're VAs, you know, it, if your kids are home, even if they have childcare, like my, I have a nanny here today, but I can hear my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of context switching that we do just in general, because we're so overstimulated and we have so many tabs open, but then you add the, the, the mother load on top of that, where I may be like totally focused, writing an email in it and like super productive. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I I see the um, doctor's office number pop up on my phone Mm -hmm. to confirm an appointment that I have on Thursday. And I was like, crap, I forgot he had that appointment. This literally happened to me today. Yeah, like, crap. And I scheduled a podcast interview, like right at the same time he has this appointment. And, you know, and I'm like, shit, I now my whole my whole train of thought is busted. I, mm-hmm. I have to leave the email and come back to that later. I've got to call them back and say, hey, like, can we do the earlier or the later? Or I need to reschedule my podcast. Like mm-hmm. it, it is so common that we context switch during our days. And so even if we are, quote unquote, being productive or we have productive time set aside or we have the world's best to do list system. There's so much that is on our mind and on our mental load that exists outside of our work that it it's almost inevitable that you're going to be interrupted mentally or otherwise mm-hmm. some during your time. And I think that's where a lot of us as moms, like our frame of reference is from before we were mothers and a time where we felt like more motivated, more clear, more productive, like I could bust through work and like, I've worked through lunch and not even remember I'm hungry. And like, that doesn't happen anymore, (laughs) but that's because I'm a mom now, you know, like my brain literally rewired itself, giving birth to two kids. And, and I am in an environment where they're young and I, my nervous system is attuned to like, Hey, if I hear them crying, even Mm -hmm. if I know my nanny can take care of it, I'm going to go see what's going on because my brain doesn't like to hear my own babies cry. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of grace and a lot of awareness around how your nervous system is being triggered during the day. If you're, especially if you're working from home, that is kind of subconsciously pulling you out of productivity that, you know, you may not get up from your desk. You may still stand, sit in front of the screen, but feel distracted. And that's, Mm -hmm. that really wears on your nervous system. So, so I, I think there's a lot of that, that we don't talk about too, or, or just isn't, we're not as aware of where, yeah our productivity is harmed by our mental load and it's not seen. So it's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you're like, God, I like, I didn't get anything done today, which usually isn't true, but it may be that you didn't get the email written, but you got the doctor's appointment rescheduled and you got, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's a lot of grace and a lot of awareness of, you know, your habits around context, switching, jumping around transitions Mm -hmm. and how you manage your time. And then there's like a million productivity tools we could talk about. Um, and, and everybody kind of has their own flavor of what works best for them, but yeah. Well, and also just the, I like how you said, you know, giving yourself grace and then also just the self-talk around that, you know, like, okay, maybe I didn't get this done, but like, I was very productive in this and that and giving yourself like what you deserve, you know, in that moment. And even if it wasn't as productive as you were hoping, you know, on paper, it's still 
just recognizing like, yeah, we have a lot going on, you know? And so you mentioned the nervous system and, um, I'd love to kind of just, I mean, such an amazing conversation, so many like amazing pieces. I'd love to wrap it up with a little bit of like, do you have any tips or habits, um, rituals that we can like take away on calming the nervous system or learning how to kind of, um, contain like, you know, too much of a like burst of, um, nerves or stress that like pops up in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few different practices that I recommend that I do. And, um, I have a whole morning routine that I have kind of dialed in over the last few years that I feel the days that I don't do it, you know, because a kid was up earlier or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so are you I'm able a, to I'm, share your routine? Yeah. I have sure. a whole episode on it too, but it, it's called okay. the dark, the dark hour. And it mm-hmm. essentially, I, I tried it. It usually takes me 20 or 30 minutes. So for, for moms, it's like on the long side, I would say, but I, um, and I'm not always, I don't always stick to it, you know, depending on what the kids are doing, but it, it's a combination of a short meditation and then, uh, journaling. And it's just stream of consciousness journaling to kind of get out everything that's I woke up with, you know, I have mm-hmm. lots of dreams and all these things. Um, and then I switch over to my planner and I take yesterday's, I try to end my day the day before with like a brain dump of what I didn't get done or like what's still mm-hmm. pressing. And I take that. And the next morning I sit there in the morning and I'm like, okay, these are the top three things I'm going to have to get done today. These are the top priorities. And then these are other tasks that really need to get done today. Um, or are like quick little, like I need to make this phone call or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I map out the day and I don't necessarily always stick to uh, like, I, I don't time block anymore. I used to do that, but with kids, just like not a thing, yeah. <laughs> but at least having a list that's like these top three things. And then these discrete tasks underneath it that are, if I can get all these things done today, that really clears the mental load for tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to do all that in the morning and then a little bit of gentle movement. Like I, I used, I've taught yoga for many, many years, but these days in the morning, it's just a really gentle movement because I believe that the body is, it, we're such like somatic creatures that the more like restricted and tight you feel, especially from the moment you wake up, mm-hmm. it's just going to carry through your whole day. So just even five minutes of organic movement, it doesn't have to be a yoga practice or anything. It's just mm-hmm. like reach for your toes, bend side to side, like do some cat cow. Um, and a lot of this can be done even if your kids are awake, you know, yeah. and Um, so that's a big thing is having some type of ritual that starts your day and it doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It could be five minutes, uh, Mm -hmm. but journaling and the, the top three list are like my two Mm non-negotiables. Um, and then during the day, I, there's two more things. One is transitions. And this has been a thing I'm really trying to be more like rigorous about in my own life where, because I work from home, my transition is often just like walking into my office, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, um, once our nanny gets here or I, my, my son gets dropped off at school, um, you know, I come home, I'm like, okay, work time. And I just walk into my office. I, I don't have to change into any professional clothes. I don't right. have shower. I don't have to like drive anywhere. So mm-hmm. there, there isn't a built in kind of mindset shift transition time for me. And I noticed over the last few years of, of doing this working from home thing where I, it would take me like an hour to settle into work because I would still be like, oh, I forgot mm-hmm. my coffee. Oh, I was going to go do that load of laundry. Oh, mm-hmm. shoot. Maybe I do want to curl my hair today because I have that podcast later. Like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm going to call my friend, you know, and then it's like 1030 in the morning and and I've already used up two of my hours of, of childcare just screwing around, you know? And so <laughs> I started to build in a transition where, where when I walk into the office, I have like a little ritual that mm-hmm. tells my brain, okay, it's time to work. And I, now I, that's built in. So like, I know I need to grab my coffee. I know I need to close. I have like curtains on my door to my office here at home. So like that tells me and the kids, like I'm working mm-hmm. I turn on a playlist, like, and I have a whole ritual and that has really, really helped settle into, okay, this is focus time. This is work time. And mm-hmm. because I have the morning practice where I, I noted out what my top three things are and what the tasks are, I can get right in. Um, And that way, so if I have two hours to work that day or I have six hours or eight hours to work that day, I know exactly what needs to like get in. Mm -hmm. Um, And other than that, it's, you know, really in the moments where the discomfort comes up or, you know, something happens where it derails you, like 
you get a call from daycare, you got to come get your kid or whatever it may be. Um, breath work, like to me, it's always back to the breath. And mm-hmm. uh, I notice, like when I sit at my desk or if I'm in like really focused work, I'm very shallow in my breath mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll sometimes feel myself be like, Oh, I really need like, I just need to sigh. Like I need to let it, that air settle into the belly. Yeah. And without having to go deeply into like breath work practices, if you just take a few breaths of like really letting it go all the way down into the belly and let you'll feel how that like pulls your shoulders away from your ears. It lets mm-hmm. your jaw relax. Let's like, especially if you're typing a lot, like do some pulling your shoulder blades back, let your head drop back. Like just Mm -hmm. give your body that experience of like, oh yeah, we're still here. We're in our body. We're not just a little head with fingers typing. (laughs) Like, um, I try to do that like once an hour just to get a little bit of movement, a little bit of air. Um, so there's lots of little practices. Um, but to me, it's all the nervous system is all about movement and stillness and, and, balancing those two things. And if you've been in a state of stillness, like tick, 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 typing a ton, mm-hmm. you've got to move. Mm-hmm. And if you've just come out of stillness, like just woken up and now it's time to start your day, you got to add a little bit of like intellectual and physical movement to that. Yeah. And if you've been moving a lot and your brain is in monkey mode and you're stressed, then a little bit of stillness, a few breaths, some kind of seated, mm-hmm. you know, meditation practice, something like that. Yeah. I know. It's funny because I, I break up my day with a walk with the dogs in, in the middle of like my work day. And so the dogs know, like when I stand up from my desk, you know, and like the wheels on the floor, like move, they all just like jump up. Cause it's like their routine now too, of I stand up from my desk and we take a break and we go on a walk. Um, and that's helped a lot with like, especially if I'm like feeling stuck or like, you know, a block of like writer's block. Cause I do a lot of copywriting for clients. I just like, okay, I need to switch it up. You know, I need to get up, I need to move and then I'll come back to it. And I feel like, because sometimes I'd be like, well, then that's wasting like 45 minutes, you know, of like my childcare time. But then I come back and I'm like way more efficient getting back into it at my desk. And so, yeah, I I think um, just finding, you know, those bits and pieces of, you know, all the things you said, like what works best um, in your routine and for your work habits and stuff is so great. Well, I'd love to close this out with just, um, first of all, how do you wind down at the end of the day? Um, and yeah, I just love to hear other mom's routines at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I've been working on that too. Cause it's been, it hasn't been consistent. Like a lot of times I feel like I'm catching up on house stuff later mm-hmm. at night. Like I'm doing the dishes or I'm doing, putting laundry away, just freaking constant laundry always, yes, you know? <laughs> um, I swear my, my partner, he changes clothes like three times a day. Cause he goes to the gym in the morning and then he mm-hmm. wears something to work. And then he changes into another outfit when he gets home from work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're, you're going through three outfits a day, bro. Like this yeah. is a lot of laundry. My husband um, does the same. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times it's that kind of stuff, but honestly, I've, I, he and I have gotten into a rhythm where that's actually like time when we talk. And so we'll both Mm -hmm. go put laundry away or we'll both do, uh, clean up the kitchen or, um, you know, we watch some shows and stuff too, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it is finding time to just reconnect with him and have, he's also an entrepreneur. So there's always something to catch up on from, from Mm -hmm. one of our days, you know? Um, and sometimes that menial, like labor home labor with your hands, it, it feels good to me at the end of the day. Cause I'm like, okay, this is time that like an old version of me would have gotten the laptop out and sat in bed at nine o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and, you know, tried to be productive at nine o'clock at night, which for me doesn't work. But Mm -hmm. this version of me is like, okay, just like you said, I know I'm going to be more productive tomorrow if I get a good night's sleep and I don't have monkey mind all night from working till the -hmm. second I close my eyes. And so it's a lot of like, let's get the laundry put away. Let's do the dishes. Let's water the plants, like whatever, task or chore needs to be done around the house. Cause that, that feels grounding to me. Yeah, I know. I, I love cleaning, like not so much cooking, but I love, love cleaning. And so at the end of the day, like I'm okay having a show on folding laundry or cleaning up the kitchen and, you know, having like clean countertops for the morning and stuff like that feels good. Even though I know first thing in the morning, they're going to get like des- destroyed, you know, but it feels yeah. good at the end of the day. So love that. Okay, great. Well, where can people find you? You obviously have your podcast, which I said I listen to. Um, but if you can give the name of that and then also just any 
you know, things you have coming up that people might be interested in. Yeah. So the podcast is called Motherload. Um, if you just type in Motherload, L-O-A-D, it'll come up. You'll see my face. Um, and it it is a deep dive into the the harmonization, like this complicated desire to harmonize ambition to succeed and devotion to motherhood. So so there's some business content, but it's really a lot more of like self-improvement and looking at ways of, of all the things we talked to, about today, like money and, and mindset and really looking at the meaning of our lives as ambitious women who have our own identities, but also want to be really good mothers. And, and that's a really complicated identity for a lot of us because our culture likes to tell you, you have to be one or the other. So that's what the podcast is about. And then um, so you can find Motherload on mainly on Instagram, uh, mother, it's at motherload.pod and then at motherload. Um, we're going to start building more content out there. That's a lot of the same topics, but just more in, in like the shareable uh, social media format. And then mm-hmm. um, I share a lot on my personal profile, just of like the things we talked about today, my own practices, my own opinions on this stuff, like um, my own journey with money and and mindset and all the stuff that I, I try to be as transparent about as possible. So I'm just at Lindsay Roselle. Um, and motherload, we're, we're heading in the direction of a media company. So I wanted to get back into live events. I want to do um, more speaking, going to grow the podcast and try to be, um, try to be more accessible, like build a bigger community and help more ambitious moms look within, look at the, some of this stuff and, and mm-hmm. have the community and the support and the tools to do it without it feeling like you have to hire, like you said in the beginning, like you have to hire a $10,000 coach or something, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is work that you can do yourself. So, yeah. um, more will be coming throughout this year. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much for listening and go follow along on Lindsay's stuff. Um, I have definitely been like deep diving into all of your stuff in the last few months and really appreciating it. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the mom bots pod. I have an exciting announcement and that is My motherhood mindset and money weekly journal is now available on Amazon. I'm so excited. It's a physical hardcover journal that's six by nine and you order it, it gets shipped and delivered right to your door and you will now have your weekly journal to reach six figures as a mom and entrepreneur. I dreamt up this journal because I wanted it to be a feasible way for you to check in with yourself weekly and monthly. Let's be honest, I do not have the brain space to journal every single day. I know it's really good for you, but it's just not something I'm capable of doing right now. And this journal keeps you focused on your goals, but it allows for that flexibility and honestly a realistic motherhood routine. As a six-figure entrepreneur and mom of multiple littles, I get the time crunch we're on and the limited brain space that we have. And that's why I created this journal. So you can still connect with yourself, be seen and also accomplish big things and not only accomplish them, but recognize and celebrate them throughout the journey of this journal. So I would love it if you would click the link in the podcast description. It'll take you to Amazon. You can get my journal. And please, when you get it, tag me on Instagram because I want to share your stories of you writing in it, um, pictures of the cover, whatever you want to post. I'm so excited to see this journal in your hands.